You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. All right, finally. <laughs> I do want to start, though, by saying, Angela, we definitely love you so much, very deeply. And uh, this is actually really good because I want you to consider all that was shared about Angela tonight and think about the message that I'm about to share with you tonight. And so as an example of a person that stands firm in faith in God and that, you know, there's so much that none of us have seen that, goes, uh, that has gone through your life. So the faith that uh, it's been required from you has been, I'm, I'm sure, absolutely amazing. So. So, my name is Bernardo, part of the South Bay Ministry, part of this amazing coastal LA. And, uh, you know, Steve asked me to share this lesson with you tonight. I don't know if uh, there was a PowerPoint. I don't know if it's going to be running. Um, and the title of it was Singles Forever, right? And, uh, you know, I thought about it for a couple of days, and I finally called Steve, and I said, Steve, I have no idea what I'm going to say regarding this topic. And I am fully aware that... I am fully aware that I'm in a room that perhaps with a lot of people who wish to get married. And we're singles. I'm single. So, but I hope to share with you tonight something that you strongly consider as a single person and perhaps see how it could affect your, the rest of your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So the, the extra part of the title that I added there is the, a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's it. Simple as that. The main scripture we're going to look at tonight is going to be Romans 2, I mean Romans 12, 1 and 2. And it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good pleasing, and perfect will. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much, Father, for how amazing you are to us, for your, for your love, Father, for your grace and mercy, for the salvation that we have in your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, we come to you tonight so that you can prepare our hearts, God, to be open to your word, to your truth, God, and that we can take it, God, and really reflect on where we are as disciples of yours, Father. Thank you, God that you continue to show us grace and mercy and forgiveness every day, Father. We truly need it at every moment of our lives. So help us tonight, God. Help me that I can speak not only the truth, but I can speak it confidently, Father. Thank you so much for all you do for us, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So i got to tell you that I did learn a lot of things by doing this lesson. I hope to share some of that with you tonight. And so I wanted to start with this. Scripture, because this is going to be the main scripture we're going to be looking at tonight. And I want you to consider different parts of it. How it starts, what it's required of you, and what the effects of that will be in your life. I'm not going to be able to share with you all of the, all of the patterns of this world, all of the ways that people teach you to do things. But I do want to share one thing, and that is that I, I, I found this quote, and it reads, The only time I feel complete is when I'm holding your hand, because at that moment I'm holding on to the other half, to my other half. 
And this is the mentality that is very much alive in our culture. You know, I remember ever since I was really young in my life, uh, there, there exists this idea of a soulmate. That, you, uh, that, that unless you have that one person, somehow you do not feel complete. Or whatever purpose you have in life, you must find that person and then you can move forward in fulfilling whatever call you have in a, to a more, more full extent. But that's just simply the pattern of this world, the mentality of the world. And I'm going to share with you tonight this, uh, this idea of finding a soulmate in order to find uh, fulfillment or completeness. You can thank Plato for that idea. And this, is a, this, is a, this was a thought that was presented to them. It's like a story. And it was a, it was a time where, like, so the idea was that, you know, humans were very strong against the gods. So I'm going to read part of that, part of the, the story, or like the summary of the story. And it says, It is said that humans had great strength at the time and threatened to conquer the gods. The gods were faced with the prospect of destroying the humans with lightning as they had done with the titans. But, they, but then they would lose the tributes given to the gods by humans. So Zeus developed this creative solution by splitting humans in half as a punishment for humanity's pride and doubling the number of humans who would then give tribute to the gods. This split of humans w- so these split humans were in utter misery to the point where they would not eat uh, and would perish. So then Apollo comes to the rescue and says, it is said that, that when, so, so the solution that Apollo proposes then is that these humans then can have a way of finding the other half, right? So that they can feel that they wouldn't perish and so it is said that when the two find each other, there is an unspoken understanding of one another, and that they feel unified and, they, and would lie with one another in unity and with no, no greater joy than that. And I'm sharing this with you tonight because this is the sort of mentality that creeps into our church, and a lot of times the, like, it's almost like we're talked to as if there's something wrong with us if we're single. And I don't want us to have that. I'm going to get a chance to share something about my mess, the mess of my life. That's uh, the journey through my mess. So ever since I remember a very young age, the idea of finding that someone was very much alive. You know, I remember specifically since the, since the year of 2003, I began to be uh, pushed by my family, my brothers, my, my friends, uh, into, into having to or requiring me to find someone so that I'm not looked at as somebody weird. And it is unfortunate because during the course of, from 2003 to 2007, I was in and out of relationships. And it's sad how at the beginning of, or the end of one relationship pretty much marked the start of another one. And through this time, you know, people looked at me and said, you know, wow, like, you know, you got a girlfriend, you know, things are going great, you know, things are good. And the times when I didn't, you know, I personally didn't feel fulfilled, and the people around me kept reminding me of that. But nevertheless, there was great pain that, was, uh, that resulted from all of that. I'm just going to rely on my papers, so I'm not sure what's going to... Oh, okay. So, I always consider my life... This is just an aspect of relationships with a girl in my life. There was a whole lot more, more mess than that. 
But so when I became a disciple on February 8, 2012, then I began, like, I was faced with the challenge, right? The very opening of that scripture that I shared before, uh, Romans 12, is, Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, what did that mean? I had no idea. I learned a little bit about what that meant through studying the Bible and reading scriptures on my own. But to the extent of me actually engaging in those behaviors, it was far from, I was far from it. I had just came out of a relationship from 2011, so I became a disciple in 2012. And being alone without the companionship of a girl was a very new thing to me. And I almost didn't know how to do it. You know, at that time I decided, you know what, I'm going to take one year and I want nothing to do with girls. You know, I, I remember, you know, there was only a couple of sisters that I, I believe I actually had long conversations with within the kingdom. But other than that, my conversation with girls were very short. It's like, I'm a mess and I have no idea other than my worldly way of pursuing. And that's all I knew. But during that time I was still in school, my parents began to tell me, son, what's going on? You know, you know, you don't have a girl now. And so after a little while, you know, two years went by and my parents got more concerned about me and I was finishing up school. And literally a week after I graduated from school, my dad called me and said, son, you're done with school now. I think it's about time you find someone. (laughs) But you see, the reason why I'm sharing that, it's because people's perception of singles is that unless you have someone, there is something wrong with you and you're not complete. And that is absolutely not what God teaches us. And so we, before we can talk about marriage, this is some stuff that we need to talk about now. So, okay. So, after realizing, you know, I had a lot of training to do. And I had a lot of mess to work through. And I had a lot of things to relearn because I had just lived over 20 years of my life learning the way that the world does things, right? But then what is the reason I should do these things? And if you think about it, there's a lot of things that, uh, that, uh, that stirs motivation within your heart. A lot of times if you want that specific job, you're going to be motivated to impress certain people. But you, and you might have the wrong motivations, to pursue something, to have a friendship. And in, in so many different ways, your motivation can be on everything else except on God. And so I'm, I'm presented to us today, as it says in the scripture, that we should be compelled only by God's mercy and nothing else. And so we must understand God's mercy. And I want to encourage you tonight that as you write this uh, um, scriptures down, I really want to encourage you to read the Romans, the book of Romans, because all the way to chapter 12, when it says, therefore, Paul had spent the previous 12 chapters explaining the human condition and how, like, so for example, this Romans 12, 9 through 12, it says, what, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all, for we have already made the charge uh, that Jews and Gentiles alike are under the, uh, the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one that understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. 
they have together become worthless, and there is no one who does good, not even one. And that is the condition that I was found in when God decided to soften my heart and present the truth to me. And that is the condition where you were found when the same thing happened to you. And it is only by God's mercy that there was a transformation and there was a desire that was born in you to actually get to know God. And that the transformed life that you see now in your lives and that you see in other people, it is because of, of, of God's mercy. And that's, uh, you know, that's the description of where we all are. And so, more on God's mercy. Um, let's see. It says in Romans 5, 6 through 8, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we're all still powerless, Christ died for, a, for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you see now, so that's, that's the demonstration of God's mercy for us. That's the demonstration of God's love. So I want you to consider this one point, and I wanna, I'm going to keep reminding you of this, that your motivation to do anything as a disciple of Jesus Christ should be nothing else but God's mercy and God's love for you. It is not so that you can find a husband or a wife one day. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that motivation because a lot of times we can find ourselves being so motivated to serve in different ways, to do so many things, because we are interested in someone. I'll tell you that that's not going to last. It's not going to last. I was having a conversation with one of the sisters the other day, and uh, she said, you know, there's something about five months. You know, a lot of people feel fired up, fired up, we're just baptized, or, you know, something new happens for five months, that fire will last, and then slowly you begin to see the disengagement of people. You know, it, the motivation comes from something else. And so when we, were found, when we found ourselves helpless, not loving God, and all we deserve is death, you know, it's the same place where the, the Jews, the Israelites, found themselves with the scripture that we're so familiar with, Acts 2, 36 to 38. And it says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it is super important to understand this, brothers, sisters, and all of you visiting us today, that the reason why we are who we are, it is precisely because we were found helpless and God had to do something absolutely amazing that we could not do for us to be able to call him Father. And so with this salvation that we have, with this baptism that, we're, that is mentioned here, this repentance, we are given a new life. In Romans 6, 4, it says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. So that life consists of a lot of things and a lot of a rethinking, rethinking, changing and reshaping 
to do as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's not just like that emotional response at that very moment when you become a disciple and you're just ready to go conquer the world. There's a lot of work to be done at, that, uh, at the hour of the baptism. It's just the beginning. So in this new life, in the book of Colossians 3, 1 through 11, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your minds on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind of things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden in Christ, in God, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, uh, whatever belongs to, earth, to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which, are, which is idolatry. Because of this, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must... All, you must also rid yourselves of all such things as such uh, things as this anger rage malice slander and filthy language from your lips do not lie to one another since you have taken off your old self it is uh, with its practices and have put on the new self which is be, which is being renewed renewed i don't know what renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, uh, barbarian, uh, Scythian, <laughs> slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. I wanted to share all of that because I want you to keep in mind two different things in this. All of the different things that are described as sin in this scripture, I want you to keep them in mind because I want, to, I want us to do a reflection on our heart a little bit later. But also the last part of that, I want you to think about uh, the last part of this scripture where it says that, uh, you know, we're all the same. It doesn't matter who you are. We're absolutely all the same. We all have the same call in this new life that we have as Christians. And uh, so in the next slide, I don't know why it's not coming down individually. It has something happened there, so. So we all have the same call in our lives. And in, in the book of Corinthians 7, uh, 17 to 20, Paul is addressing um, the Christians, the believers. And he's talking to people in all different situations. He's talking to single people. He's talking to married people. Uh, he's talking to Jews, Gentiles, circumcised, uncircumcised, slave, free. So he was addressing everyone. And it says, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them. Just as God has called them, this is the rule I laid down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was, uh, circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not become circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were called in when God called them. So the idea behind this, I believe, is that 
No matter where you were when God called you, that is precisely where you need to begin to become full, a fully devoted Christian. It is not that one day you'll get married so then you can fully fulfill your role as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's not. It's not. It's not a prerequisite in, that, in many ways. So he, he was addressing everybody, and the same can be said to us this very moment. If you're a single man, and if you're a single woman, you are called to fulfill your role as a disciple of Jesus Christ right this moment. You can't wait until you get married to begin this, right? So, being called in the, in the, in the book of Romans 12 to offer bodies as a living sacrifice... Your status is not a prerequisite. Again, I say that. It's not a prerequisite for you to be able to do that. It says in view of God's mercy. It doesn't say in view of God's mercy after you get married, then offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Right? It says only in view of God's mercy. So what are we supposed to do as single people? You know, I want us to... Focus on that first point. Like, if you focus on God's mercy and God's love for us to fully transform our lives as people that claim to be disciples of Jesus Christ, it, it is really not an issue of being single or married. It's not. That's not the issue. And that's not our goal either. So, Paul tells us this, that getting married is not, a, is not the problem. Being single is not the problem. It's not a sin, right? So it says in 1 Corinthians uh, 7, 25 to 28, it says, Now about, uh, about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who, by the Lord's mercy, is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. As you pledge, are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you from this. Right? <laughs> there, there's one thing that I do want to point out to this, and maybe the married people in this room can, can, um, can back me up on this. What, is, what Paul is saying is that it's easier to fulfill what God calls us to do as single people. It becomes far more challenging once you become married. So if you're not currently fulfilling your responsibility, now that you are a single man or a single woman, what makes you think it's going to get easier when you get married? You can't. But nevertheless, the call is the same for the married person or for the single person. So, uh, you know, and a lot of you, so, so again, getting married or being single or all of this other question or your status, it's beside the point. It's not, you know, God calls us just as we are to, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And you might say, but I want to get married, Right? And a lot of us can be found in that situation, but, but I want to get married. So what, should, what, what am I supposed to do? Well, there's a lot of things that we need to look at first. I want you to ask yourself, how are you currently doing with fulfilling your responsibilities as a disciple? 
and your day-to-day walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ, how are you truly doing? You know, you're called to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, and I know I'm stating that a lot, but what that means is a lot of things. You know, we, we were called to give up everything as disciples of Jesus Christ, and it is all... Uh, motivated or response is all motivated in view of God's mercy, not so that we, one day we can find a wife or one day we can find a husband, right? And the same thing can be said about a lot of things too. You know, you know, a lot of times people begin to pray a lot more because they want that specific job. They begin to pray a lot more because they want something specific in their lives. And the motivation comes from the hope of getting that something and not necessarily because of God's love for you. And if your motivation to do all those great things comes from the possibility of, or the hope to get those things, you're going to be disappointed. Because the truth of the matter is, it's not guaranteed that you're going to be married. And it's not, it's not guaranteed that we're going to find that wife or that husband for the woman, right? Yeah, and then, you know, for all you know, when you get married, things are just going to be horrible. But whether we get there or not. So this is the importance of in view of God's mercy. So whether we find a husband or we don't for the woman and for the brothers, whether you find that wife or you don't, you still have to fulfill your responsibility as a disciple while you are still single. And, and you know, in the long term, I want you to consider this as well. When you fulfill your responsibility as a disciple of Jesus Christ, there's a lot of things that you have to rethink, reshape, re- redo, and relearn as a single man that could only benefit your future spouse if you address those things now. So, let's see. So, I want you to consider your own convictions right now. Really, truly, as a disciple in this church and, and as a disciple of Jesus Christ, right? I want you to consider how you're currently doing. How are you truly doing? You know, what is your current devotion to God? And what is motivating your devotion to God? You know what? Like, you know, perhaps think about it within your convictions and your daily walk with God in your quiet times, your prayer time, your prayer with other people. How are you currently doing? And truly, I'm, I'm asking this, like, very sincerely. I want you to consider the, the, the bad habits that you perhaps have that you need to get rid of, whether you find a husband or a wife or not. The good habits that you must develop to have a better relationship with God that you must address now. And so, how, how are you currently doing with loving one another, encouraging one another, and I'm not just talking about that occasional date that you go on or whether you go on dates every weekend. It doesn't matter in your daily walk with God. How are you doing with encouraging one another? How quick are we to pray with someone else? How is your prayer life? You know, because I would imagine when you get married, you absolutely should pray with your wife. Woman, you need to pray with, with your husband as well. So if you don't have those habits now... How do you hope to just one day all of a sudden develop these things? Brothers, I want to talk to you right now. How are... (laughs) 
Brothers and sisters, how are we doing with singing the, seeking the kingdom of God first? How are we doing with being open about our sins, about our temptations, about seeking advice, about following those advices? How do we deal with all those character issues? Are you somebody reliable? You know, are you somebody that, you know, opens, is open to feedback, that somebody comes to you and offers you some word of correction that you actually take it? You know, how are you doing in that area? And again, that, so whether you get married one day or not, those habits are absolutely going to be beneficial for your walk with God. Men, brothers, how are we doing with our purity? You know, because those things, I've spoken with the married men, I've spoken with brothers who, who just got married, those things don't just go away when you, one day you get married. You must address it now. And we must have, we have to do those things now. I really appreciate the sister that shared the other day when, uh, about three weeks ago, I believe, when we had a message about dating. And the effects of the mess in the past, what I was sharing earlier is that, so back in 2007, there was a relationship that I, I was engaged in. And see, I had the wrong motivation from the very beginning. The girl asked me if I was a Christian, and my response to her was, yes, I am a Christian. And in my mentality is that I'm going to tell you anything you want to hear just so that I can have a possibility of actually dating you. The motivation was in the wrong place. It is absolutely not compelled by God's love. And because it started off with a deceit, it continued to be built on deception all the way through. And one day I couldn't be in a relationship with her anymore. And that left a huge hole in my heart, like a huge pain that I never fully addressed in my life so comes 2009 i met a different girl and i began a relationship and all of the mess not just from that previous relationship but it began all the way in 2003 when i started that other girl i never had a chance in between to address with uh, to deal with the mess that i had built all that time so i really appreciate the sister that said you know whatever that mess is that you hold you must Deal with it now as a single man. And it is part of your devotion to God because if you hold all these things, how can you then fully be in love with God? If you're holding on to these things and if you're only looking for something else that hopefully will just replace that other pain you have. You can't do that. We can't do that as disciples of Jesus Christ. So, brothers, I also want to ask you, and sisters, actually, in your service to God, how are you doing? Are you one of those people that get a message or get, like hear somebody asking you to serve in some way and just like kind of look down and not really want to engage? You know, because if we don't do this for each other now, you know, what makes us think we can do that one day when we're married? We can't. We're going to stop serving that other person. Brothers, how are you doing in your leadership? Your call to take the lead as a man to lead a woman, to lead the sisters currently as a single man? Or are you just being afraid about all these other factors that are necessary? And are you more dominated by fear than compelled by God's love? Sisters, how are you doing in, in following the brothers and respecting their leadership and encouraging them in that capacity? You know, so we all need to address these things. And I know I'm just like, you know, touching the very surface. There are so many other things that we must address, we need to learn, we need to change, we need to, you know, really deal with them. 
And a lot of that, you know, it has to do with people in your life. How willing are you to involve people in your life so that people can point these things out to you? So, whew, that was... <laughs> So if you see all of those things, if you address them, it will help you. It will benefit you in the long term, whether you get married or not. But it will definitely help you in a relationship with God. And you know, so I really appreciate the example of Angela's life now, because it is an example that we can point to and say, you know, you know how she did it? You know, let's do likewise. Let's, let's be like that. And a lot of times we actually don't even use that statement a lot of times. You know, Paul used this statement, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And a lot of times we just say, like, I don't want to be prideful and stuff like that. But how confident are we as disciples of Jesus Christ to say that, to say to somebody you're studying the Bible with, do like I do. You know, in your purity and your service and your, in all these different areas of your life, how confident are you? To share your convictions in that sense. And so, and so I, I want to move into this other um, area, but I, what I want to point out is this. When you find yourself addressed in all these different areas in your life, and that's exactly the place where you want to be when somebody finds you in a certain way, we can say it. When you attract the attention of someone, that is exactly where you need to be. If you're fully engaged in service, in loving God, in your prayer, in, in how you share your conviction, in reaching out to, uh, to people who are not disciples yet, in, in, in all the different areas that is required of you as a disciple of Jesus Christ, that's exactly where you need to be when somebody else who is doing the same thing should be attracted to you. If you're not engaged in any of these, in any of these areas, then you must wonder, you know, what kind of people are you attracted to? You know, and who do you attract? You know, I, I'll be honest, a lot of times if, you, if I look around in our fellowship, a lot of times somebody who is extremely devoted, and I'm questioning my own convictions, it is very difficult to have a conversation with that person because you almost feel like you don't measure up. We should never feel like that in the first place, right? We shouldn't be intimidated by that person. But we got to ask ourselves, why do I feel that way? Because a lot of times... I feel guilty about a lot of things in my life that I'm not doing right, that it's almost intimidating. It is intimidating to talk to somebody who is fully engaged in developing the relationship with God. Somebody who is quick to pray. You know, are you one of those people that, you know, feel like, oh, man, you got to pray again? You know, <laughs> you got to address that. It sounds very funny. I'm serious. But if that's the kind of response that you feel in your heart, you got to truly assess that. You got to address that. Again, how much would that benefit you if one day you get married? Just how much? But if you don't get married, that's the, those are the very same habits that will help you stand firm. Not that you will not struggle, but that you will stand firm even in the midst of the mess. Again, Angela went through a lot of crazy things, right? And we know that. And she's sitting here smiling right now. <laughs> Why? Is it because she was motivated to find a husband? No. It's because of God's mercy was very alive in her vision and that she was compelled to do that. So it's not about getting married. It's about being devoted to God. So the la the, one of the 
last scripture we're going to read, let's see. I think I might have. So we got to get ready because it could only get harder. It might get harder. I don't know. The married people could help us out here, you know, because I haven't been married. So. <laughs> In the book of Corinthians 7 to 32 to 35, it reads, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the, about the Lord's affair, how he can please the Lord. But the married man is concerned about the affairs of, the wor- of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to, re- not to restrict you, but that you may live in a, in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. We are called as single men and women to fulfill our responsibility and the call we have in God. That is the bottom line. All compelled by God's love. And I want to pose this question to you sisters first. If you're attracted to a brother and you're not concerned about finding out how he's doing spiritually, and if he is, in fact, struggling, how devoted is he going to be to you when you get married to him, if you get married to him? And if a brother now, if you're attracted to a sister, and she's not devoted to God, and she's not addressing these things, how then would she be devoted to you? Marriage will not fix any of those things. And we know that. Married people, do you agree? (laughs) It is absolutely a fact, I would imagine, from the truth of the gospel and from the truth of the scriptures from God, (laughs) and, and from the testimony from the marriage, that this is your time to develop strong convictions, to address a lot of these things, and not wait until you get married. And so, we must ask these questions, we must address these things, and all compelled by God's mercy, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, and being willing to submit ourselves to God in every single aspect of our lives so that we can renew our minds, where you knew the way we do things, rethink things, do things differently, do things the way the Bible describes them. You know, and we must devote ourselves to God because it is only through God's help that we can do all those things. Now, I want you to, I want to make this last point. I want you to fully engage in those things. And I want us all, I myself included, to be compelled by God's love because anything else will lead to disappointment. Anything else when it, when, so if you're a brother or a sister and five, five years go down the line and you still haven't found that somebody, you know, will you then have, find yourself questioning your faith in God because you haven't found that somebody? Or will you stand firm and say, you know what? I trust God and I know he knows the desires of my heart. And I am confident that no matter what happens, whether single forever or whether married one day, I'm still going to be devoted to God. 
I want to, I felt like I must close with these scriptures, but I don't know what happened. Okay, I'll just share it. Psalm 37, 6 through 7. It says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness, uh, righteousness, uh, he will make, (laughs) sorry, he will make your righteous reward shine like dawn. Your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their own wicked schemes. Let us stand firm in the Lord, not being intimidated or impacted or being discouraged by anything else that we see out in the world, because we know the only thing that will help us continue to be faithful to God and be devoted to God is through actually loving Him and all compelled by God's mercy. Thank you so much. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.